0: I had a small shame breakthrough today, and I wanted to share it on the podcast because I feel like it's not super clear when I talk about a shame breakthrough what I actually mean, like what the literal breakthrough moment really is. It's kind of amorphous, even to me. So I figure if I reverse engineer what happened today and explain it to you, we all might understand what I actually mean by the term shame breakthrough. And it might help you have one as well. Getting Discomfortable with Attention It started in therapy, where all good shame breakthroughs begin. As I've said many times, if you're not in therapy, go to therapy. You're missing out on getting at least a master's degree level education in yourself, if not a PhD, if you go to therapy long enough, but also a bunch of shame breakthroughs and epiphanies. So I was in therapy and I was talking about my need for attention. I've always had a strong desire for attention. This will probably come as a surprise to no one, given that I do this podcast every week and it gets me some degree of attention, maybe. I don't know. Is anyone listening? There are all kinds of reasons you could dig into my psychology for why I crave attention. But that's not really the point. The point is that all this time that I've been craving attention, I have been assuming that wanting attention is a bad thing. Of course, it's a bad thing. It just is. But in talking about my desire for attention in therapy today, I realized that it was actually a baseless assumption grounded in dogma and guarded by shame. Talking about these sorts of things in therapy is just a great way to kind of see another perspective. On The topic, you know, be it your therapist actually voicing a different perspective or just having that person staring at you with a kind of quizzical expression makes you think, hmm, is that the way things are? Is what I'm saying about reality actually true? Is it a given that wanting attention is a bad thing? My therapist suggested that instead of using the words attention, that I think about it more as wanting to be seen, which is exactly the same kind of language that Brene Brown uses, incidentally. Maybe my therapist has been watching some Brene Brown, probably, given that I am one of his clients and I'm obsessed with shame. So he suggested that instead of even considering it as a need for attention, which inherently sounds judgmental that I always conceive of it as a desire to be seen. And as soon as I heard that language, it did give me a new perspective on how healthy and natural it is to want to be seen, how being seen is part of feeling connected, part of feeling belonging, part of feeling all of the best feelings we have as social animals related to positive interactions with other people. I feel seen by these other people. I feel truly seen. I feel understood. I feel accepted. I feel loved. How can you feel loved if you don't feel seen? And as I was sort of working through the implications of converting my desire for attention to a need to be seen, I suddenly saw shame. I saw all of the shame that I had been carrying around, which up until that point had been invisible. I mean, I've seen lots of different aspects of my shame. You know, I've definitely seen my shame around my sexual orientation. I've seen shame about my body. I've seen shame about sex in general. I've seen shame about mistakes I've made. I've seen shame about all kinds of things but I hadn't fully seen the shame surrounding my judgment of the fact that I wanted attention, that I wanted to be seen. And as soon as I saw it, it was a profound shift in reality. It it actually felt in the moment like a piece of reality came out of sync with the rest of reality. The best kind of metaphor that I can give you, which is actually kind of what I was picturing as this was happening, was that I was looking up at the sky and it was, you know, clouds and patches of blue. And then suddenly by repositioning myself, by getting this new perspective on the idea of attention, I noticed that in the sky, there was a giant monolith. There there was like, it was like a, a spaceship you know like Independence Day this giant monolithic spaceship was in the sky and it was painted to look like it was clouds and blue sky it was it was cloaked But as soon as I got a different perspective, the cloaking fell out of sync with the rest of the sky. And I could suddenly see the massive outline of this weight, of this shame that had been pressing down on me my whole life. It was always floating up there, and I had never noticed it before. That is exactly how shame works. That is exactly what your shame is doing to you right now. It is this heavy weight that is burdening you, but you can't even see it because it seems so fundamental to your view of reality. That's what I mean when I talk about dogma or inherited ideologies Shame is something that we are told as a child is true and we just accept it. We just totally like blend it into the reality that we live in and we don't question it to the point where it's actually invisible. It's like the water we swim in to paraphrase Rumi, I think it is. Or it's like the air that we breathe. It's all around us. It's culture, but yet it affects us deeply. So it was incredible to me to think that all this time, you know, doing all this research and thinking about shame, that I could still have this massive weight of shame dragging around with me everywhere I have gone over the last few years since my quote-unquote shame breakthrough, and I never saw it until this moment. That's what's so incredibly powerful about shame. It's truly invisible until you get a new perspective, until you have that break. And that is what I mean when I say a shame breakthrough. It's this crack in your reality where suddenly the dogma of one aspect of shame becomes dislodged from the matrix that you have created, that you call the world. And what was fascinating was that when I looked at the logic of attention being bad, there was nothing there. I suddenly looked at my belief, you know, a very firm belief that I had been thinking my whole life, that I had been telling myself constantly, wanting attention is bad. I suddenly just turned myself around and looked at that belief. And it was it was like looking at nothing. It was literally that belief, that extremely strong belief that has been guiding my life for 38 years. It was invisible. There was nothing behind it at all. And I was like, holy shit, it's been dogma this whole time. It's been ideology this whole time. And it's not an ideology that I chose. You know, when I look at all kinds of other topics like like honesty, when I look at honesty, when I turn myself and really look at the concept of honesty... There is a whole pile of thinking behind it, of my own conscious thinking that I have been doing very recently, all kinds of little micro ideologies that I have picked up and chosen and connected together for why I think honesty is so important. In fact, I think it's so important that I am currently working on an entire episode about it. So honesty is something that I actually genuinely value because I have put thought into it based on my personal experience and I have created my own micro-ideology around it that really is meaningful to me. However, the belief that attention, that wanting attention is a bad thing, though it felt like a value, it it had no backing. I hadn't actually decided it myself. And when I actually was pushed by my therapist to examine it, I realized that there was nothing there. It was a cipher. And what's interesting is that if you were to ask me before I had this breakthrough, why wanting attention is a bad thing, I would have been like, well, um, well, uh, because like, obviously wanting it, you know, wanting attention is so superficial but then you'd be like, wait, well, what do you mean by superficial? How is it superficial? Well, it's just not like, what's, uh, what's important about wanting attention? Like, why, why should you want attention? And you, it's like, well, but okay, you're, you're not answering the question. Like, what is actually wrong with wanting attention? Well, y- you know, everyone knows. It's just, it, it just is. Like, that's just obvious. Like, of course, you shouldn't want attention. That's so desperate. Well, but you know, you also want love, right? Well, sure, you want love. Like that's na- it's a natural human need to want love. That's not that's not desperate. We need that. We need love. Right. So why is it bad to want attention? Well, it's, you know, it's ex- it's external. It's, it's it's an external thing. Yeah, but so is love. Well, yeah, but yeah. This long-winded argument with myself is just to illustrate how these beliefs, these ingrained dogmas based on shame, seem so obvious that you don't even need to argue the point. It's just like, duh, like, of course. Anytime that you are defending a value with, well, duh, like, everyone knows, of course, It's a very good sign that that value is actually a piece of ingrained dogma. It is someone else's hand-me-down of morality that you haven't actually decided on yourself, and it has just been reinforced by shame this whole time, which means that you have been feeling that shame this whole time and enforcing it, propagating it, spreading it. Which means that this whole time that I've been doing this podcast, I have subconsciously been shaming you, the listener, into thinking that wanting attention is a bad thing. I'm going to have to go back and listen to all 47 episodes of the podcast to determine which ones I subconsciously and covertly shamed you, my listener, into thinking that you shouldn't want attention. And for that... I am sorry. I am very sorry. You probably don't even know it, but if you have been listening regularly, you now need to look into yourself and think, wow, have I bought in to AJ's shame about wanting attention. You, you, I really encourage you to do that work. And it's so humbling because it makes me realize that when people shame us, it's always their own shame. It's, it's a reflection of the thing that they are being subconsciously shamed by. It's not about us. When other people shame us, it's not about us. It's entirely about them. And now that I see myself having shamed all these other people by ever so casually and obviously stating in, in just in my beliefs, I'm sure I've talked about attention at some point, and I've just sort of de facto been like, of course, wanting attention is bad. Like, a priori, that's just bad. Everyone knows it. I shamed you. I subconsciously shamed you. But I didn't mean to. I wasn't doing it on purpose. I had the best of intentions." which is exactly what that person who shames me has. You know, I think back to the episode I did a few weeks ago about whiteness and how I felt like I was shamed by this social justice facilitator's definition of whiteness. But really, she was doing exactly what I've been doing in this podcast, trying to help people, trying her best to work through these complicated issues. And she shamed me with her own innate shame, her own innate bias. In the same way that I have subtly been shaming all of you with my own innate bias that said I wasn't allowed to want attention. Where did I get that from? Well, I obviously got it from culture or my family. It's always going to be one of those two sources. They're inherently intertwined. And I don't know, I'll have to do some unpacking to figure out where in my cultural background, where in my family, this this idea that wanting attention is a bad thing even came from. But now that I really think about it, the desire to be seen <laughs> is a completely obviously natural human need. We cannot feel loved if we do not feel seen. And feeling loved is a totally fundamental and profound and necessary human need. And it is a strong part of what helps us cooperate with other humans in groups and stay alive. It's, it's right there, built into our instincts and our evolution. It is what it's like to be a social animal. A social animal wants to be seen. Give yourself a break, AJ. Of course you want that. Everyone wants that. Sure, maybe you want it more than most people. Maybe you want it to the degree that you make a podcast every week in order to get a little bit of it. But that's okay. That's fine. That's natural. That's normal. If that's what you need, that's what you need. I think that if I put my desire for attention into the right task like this podcast, then I am using an innate motivation to be seen to reinforce a very conscious value that I have chosen, which is to spread an understanding about shame. So yeah, why would I not use that natural motivation? You know, it's like, if I could harness the motivation I have to meet cute guys and to get laid into educating people about shame... What would be the harm in that? Yeah, I should absolutely harness all of my most basic human urges into positive values that I've chosen. And to be fair, a lot of dates that I go on, I do talk about my obsession with shame. So, bada bing, bada boom, two birds, one shamey stone. This small shame breakthrough around wanting attention also makes me realize how murky the line between guilt and shame really is. If you recall, guilt is supposed to be the healthy side of self-judgment. Guilt is feeling bad about something that you did because it goes against your own chosen values. But the problem in this case is I took the belief that wanting attention is bad to be so fundamentally true that I thought it was one of my chosen values. So if you had have asked me, you know, why are you feeling bad about wanting attention all the time? I would have been like, well, guilt, not shame, guilt, because I truly believe that wanting attention is bad. But I hadn't examined that belief, which I did believe closely enough to see that there was actually no logic behind it, that I hadn't actually put the work in. It actually was just a dogmatic hand-me-down and I took it for granted as something that I actually believed, as something that I had chosen to believe. So I didn't recognize that it was shame because I bought into it so much. But the other thing that's telling about it is that another difference between guilt and shame is that guilt is supposed to be, you know, a specific action. And shame is a more universal sense that I am inherently bad as expressed by the potential judgment of other people. So when I look at the desire to have attention, it was sort of like I was fooling myself into thinking that wanting attention was not a fundamental need, was not like a part of who I am. When really, as a human being, perhaps it's just perfectly natural that I have a need for attention, that that's an instinct that I have. And once again, like you just... You you can't be too judgmental about something that is a fundamental part of who you are. Like, that is shame. You know, being judgmental about the concept of whiteness made me feel shame because I saw whiteness as a fundamental part of who I am, for better or worse. So now that I conceptualize the need to be seen as a fundamental part of who I am, I realize that I cannot judge it as harshly as I have been because that would not be guilt. It's no longer a discrete specific action. It's a fundamental part of me. But that doesn't mean that I can't change it. I have a hunch that one of the reasons I have been so desperate for attention is because of the shame I felt about wanting attention. As usual, I think shame has been backfiring this whole time. Shame has actually been exacerbating the one problem that it was trying to fix, my need for attention. Shame has been fueling my need for attention by making it this kind of taboo bad thing that I'm not supposed to crave. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to eat chocolate, and that makes it that much more desirable. Or I'm not supposed to have sex, which makes it that much more exciting. Anytime I make something that's a natural desire taboo, it inflames it. It makes it this dark, powerful, sensual fantasy. I must have that thing that I crave that I'm not supposed to have. It, just, it creates all this conflict that actually, like, it inflames it and, and exacerbates it and, and, and makes it worse. It's exactly the same as when I am dealing with negative emotions. You know, I was always wrestling with negative emotions in the past, trying to stop myself from feeling them until I started meditating. And in mindfulness, I learned that the more you try to stop yourself from having a negative emotion, the longer it lasts and the stronger it gets. You're actually fueling it by fighting with it. When you let an emotion come out, you know, like when you accept it and say, oh, hey, emotion, it's perfectly okay for you to come. Like, of course, it's only natural. Of course, there should be an emotion. Then the emotion is like, cool, thanks. I'm glad. Thank you for having me. And now I will keep moving. I will come out and I will keep going and I will be on my merry way. But when I grab that emotion and I try to stuff it back in and say, no, don't you dare come out it's just like this big wrestle fight with this emotion that lasts way longer than if I just let the emotion walk on out and go on its way. I think shame was doing the exact same thing with my desire for attention. Instead, if I just don't judge it, if I just accept it completely and say, hey, cool, of course, that's natural, then it will start to kind of lose its power. it will be like, yeah, well, I want attention, but I don't know, it's not that important and it's fine. So, I don't know, maybe maybe I'll do something to get some attention. Maybe I won't. It doesn't really matter. It'll just sort of, like, de-escalate the whole situation. So now, I'm kind of going through my head, trying to think of all the little bits I have left of shame. You know, the little the little resistances I have to certain topics or certain aspects of myself that I'm really wrestling with and trying to change. And I'm realizing that the way to deal with those things is to accept them, to embrace them, to let them out into the light of day, to talk about them, to look at them, to love them. It's it's self-compassion again. When I learn to love the fact that I need to be seen, when I learn to love all the facets of my personality and of my body and of my identity and of myself that I don't think are good, quote unquote, when I learn to love those shadow sides of me, then I can really work with them. A place of acceptance and love is probably the best way to deal with how you want to evolve. It's kind of like, I love myself exactly the way I am right now, and I know that in the future, I can still grow and try new things and experiment and learn and become better and better, which sounds a lot like the loving-kindness meditation affirmation that I talked about two weeks ago in my episode about scarcity. If you recall, that affirmation was, may I know that I am already everything I need myself to be. Well, I'd like to amend that now. I'd like to add to that. I would like it to say, may I know that I am already everything I need myself to be in this moment. That means that I love myself right now completely No matter where I'm at on a much longer journey that is leading to getting better, to trying new things, to to learning. So it doesn't mean just because I have all these aspirations for the future and I have things about myself that I want to work on, it doesn't mean I can't love myself right here and now where I'm at in that journey, especially when I believe, as I do, that quote unquote, everything works out in the end when you define working out as meaning I'm going to learn really important lessons, even if they're painful. So given that I believe that everything in the future is going to work out, because I believe that working out means you might encounter some really difficult, challenging, stressful, terrible, tragic situations, but ultimately you're going to learn really important things through those situations. Given that I think that is working out, quote unquote, then I know that I can love myself at any given point along the road to things working out, even if they aren't exactly how I would ultimately like to be. So from now on, I am going to embrace the fact that I desire attention or perhaps more healthy way to describe it, I like all humans, have a need to be seen by other humans because I really want to connect with other humans. And by fully showing myself and being seen, I believe that's the best strategy for me to find the people who want to connect back with me. And that is perfectly natural and perfectly okay. So I am totally embracing that. I am empowering myself to continue to do that, to love myself for that. To love that aspect of myself and to allow that heavy spaceship of shame that has been weighing down on me like a kind of gravity this whole time to fly away. Like, thanks, spaceship. I know you were just trying to protect me, but um, I don't need you anymore. So please fly off into outer space and use your tractor beam of shame to help someone else. Because really, that's all shame is trying to do. Shame is trying to help us. Shame is trying to enforce the things that it thinks we think we need to be happy, healthy people who will survive. So, no, honestly, thank you, shame, for 38 years of diligently enforcing the completely baseless belief that wanting attention is a bad thing. I know I'm sounding kind of sarcastic right now, which I am, but honestly, I do really mean it when I say that I know you, aka me, my brain, was just trying to protect myself, was just trying to make myself the most worthy and therefore most likely to survive human I could be. And really, you know, now I see a new strategy to achieve that. And that strategy is to embrace my need for attention. It's just the exact opposite strategy, you know. Anyway, I think that it is going to be a better way to get at a sense of worthiness, an internal sense of worthiness. And I actually think it's going to be a better way at achieving connection, which I also really value because I'm a social animal. So I am going to work towards a greater sense of authenticity, which would mean embracing this facet of myself, this need for attention, and more honesty by talking about this subject right here and now with you, the person who's listening, who is giving me that much needed attention. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that attention. Thank you for seeing me. If you want me to see you right back, shoot me a message send me a message. I love getting messages. I'll see you. I would love to see you. In fact, not only would I love to see you, I would love to see the world through your eyes because I recognize that it is by seeing the world through other people's eyes that I am able to see parts of my shame that I haven't noticed To see dogmatic beliefs that I have inherited that have no real basis in in my own logic. They have no, no real value to me. And it also helps me to see your shame. It helps me to see the blind spots in my awareness of what causes shame for people with different life experiences and different identities. So I would love to see you and I would love to see the world through your eyes.